Hello and welcome to Eden Exchanges, the business journey podcast by Eden Exchange. Today we speak to David Ronseville, Director of the Expense Reductions Analyst Franchise, a business consulting franchise. Listen as David chats about how the business came about, what their point of difference is, who would make an ideal franchisee, and what to expect in training and support. Listen on to discover more. Welcome everyone, my name is Raghu from Eden Exchange and joining us on our team is Ellen Rogers today. Hello everyone. Our special guest today is David Rounseville. Now he's the Managing Director of Expense Reduction Analysts. Fantastic speaking to you today, David. Thank you. Really interested in talking about you, the model, and also the growth story for expense reduction and also the franchise model you've got there. Now, can you firstly tell us about your background and what your role is at Expense Reduction Analysts? Yeah, my background, I had spent 10 years in the office supplies industry and certainly I was running businesses in that industry. It was a lot of fun. It was a great experience. But after 10 years, I was looking for a change. I had seen Expense Reduction Analysts as a supplier in the office supplies industry and loved their model. And so when it came time for a change, I decided that I would join as a franchisee. So I spent the next 13 years as a franchisee and then was asked if I would take on running the business for Australia and Pacific region. So I did that in 2014 and have been running the business ever since. Sounds like quite an opportunity. Now, what sparked the idea behind expense reduction analysts and how did the business move from inception to reality? Yeah, our chairman and founder, Fred Marfleet, had seen a training program in the US in the early 90s and decided that he would actually go and have a look at that. He then, once he'd completed it, thought they've missed the potential of it. It shouldn't just be a training program. And so he purchased the business at that point and then in 1992 spent six months actually turning it into a franchise and launched it early 93 in the UK and Australia at the same time and has grown the business now into 40 countries around the world. Head office is now based out of the UK whereas it used to be Australia until about 2007. It's easier to run a global business from the UK than it is from Australia with the time zones. So that was really how the business started. I started in the business in 2001. At that stage, we were still quite small, but the growth through the last 20 years has been quite rapid and continually expanding into new territories. And where are you currently seeing the demand for your business? Is there a particular business segment that is drawn to your business model? This market is quite interesting because we, we're almost in a three-speed economy. And so we've got those that in this environment are incredibly busy. Freight companies are being a perfect example where everything is now online and everything is delivered. Then you have the other end of the scale where you might have clubs, hotels, hospitality that is very quiet. And so what we find is that perhaps those that are in a stable situation or very quiet are the ones that are looking now at their expenses. We see the market having significant price increases over the next 12 to 24 months, much the same as it did after the GFC. And we think that that's going to impact a lot of business. So 
that's really the main areas that we're looking at are those businesses that haven't had the rapid growth through this COVID period. It's more the businesses that have either plateaued or have slowed down and are going to need some help with their recovery. Fantastic. Now, in terms of the process to get a client like that on board, you can understand there's a consultative way to get people to accept your services. How are you finding the uptake now in the midst of COVID and that three-speed economy you're talking about? Yeah, a lot of our clients will come to us from word of mouth. We also sponsor a lot of events where we will actually take clients in and get them to do the talking for us. And so our client base is repeat customers. So a lot of CFOs will move around every two or three years. And when they move to a new business, they'll bring us back into that one. It's coming off the events that we do, but it's also very strong on networking and the recommendations that we get through networking are are very strong. So that's probably where most of our business comes from. How we actually engage them usually is very consultative right from the beginning. So we will have a look at their general ledger. We'll look at where they're spending their money, what they spend it on, who they spend it with, etc. And then we'll come up with a project plan. And that project plan then becomes our engagement with the client and they will accept the recommendations that we're putting forward or or proposed changes, but we will then decide what areas of the business we need to focus on. And we break that down by expense category. So with uh, one of the universities, we're looking at 26 different expense categories for them. And we have 17 different franchisees working in there to achieve the results for them. Fantastic. Now, what is your point of difference to the market? And How do you categorise yourself in the market compared with other consulting-type business operators? We are very, very specialist. And so what that means for a client is that they're getting expertise. So if you look at large accounting firms, large consulting firms, they tend to be quite generalised and look at overall strategy, whereas we are very, very focused on the individual category. So if we have someone that is looking at the telecommunications and IT, they are an expert in that area and that's all they do. They just focus on how we're going to save a client money on telecommunications and what changes are required. So it's a lot more than old price, new price, which is probably where most of the other consulting firms work, we look at a complete restructure of what they do and ensure that they are best fit for the market. And then we will look at what suppliers that they need to use. So David, what are some of the unique characteristics of the expense reduction analyst business? Can you describe the type of clients you work with? So traditionally, we were working in the smaller end. I would say that now our sweet spot is really the 50 million to 500 million turnover businesses, which might be 100 to 500 staff. Our smallest client in Australia would only turn over 6 million and our largest would turn over 8.5 billion. So we can work anywhere in the market, but that space in the 50 million to 500 million is generally where they have quite hefty expenses for the size of the business, but they don't have the ability to manage those non-core expenses. And so we become an arm of their business almost, where we're working in there with them all the time to ensure that they're becoming well-managed. And what services can a client expect to receive from an expense reductions analyst as a model? And what are the benefits of working with you? 
I've always said that probably our, our greatest strength is our ability to implement. So when we uh, start working with a client, we will look at their whole process by category. So we'll take a picture of everything that they've done, usually over the past year, and build a profile of what they do today. We'll then look at that and decide whether that that is right from a process point of view, whether it's right from the supplier point of view, and what changes need to be made. So we present back to them a discovery that says, this is your current situation. This is what you do today in this category. At that point, they're learning more about what they do by category than they've ever seen before. So then we take that knowledge and the consulting that we've done with them at that point and look for solutions. So we will then come back to them at the next stage and say, well, here are some options on what you can do some might save money, some might not even save money. So we've done insurance work where we've found people don't have covers and they absolutely need to have cover. So we'll then look at what we need to do to ensure that they achieve the coverage that they need and that might cost them more. But usually overall, we're going to save them a lot of money in what we do and improve their current situation against where they were before. We take that Right through, though, we actually go to the next stage where we work with the client and supplier to ensure that everything actually gets implemented. And then for a period of two years, we do some monitoring. And that monitoring will have a look at everything that they spend in that category to ensure that it is running on track and we'll make changes as we need to along the way. The other thing is that I was talking with a finance director one day and he said, can you tell me why my procurement department always tell me I'm going to save money and I get to the end of the year and I can never see that we have? And I said, well, it's probably quite simple. They're assuming it's implemented and they're assuming they're getting the saving. No one's actually doing the monitoring. And I think that that's probably the big difference in what we do is that we ensure that the money we say we're going to save them is actually saved. Obviously, you need that experience and industry know-how to really get an outcome for a client. For the whole business expense reduction analyst, you know, with this consultative approach, are there any key achievements or goals you're really proud of in the growth story of expense reduction analysts? Yeah, from a client point of view, it's the things that they're not expecting to get that really make a big difference. You know, I did mention insurance before. We were working with a importer of motor vehicles. Their motor vehicles are generally in excess of half a million dollars each. They were parking them in a enclosed area but not undercover. We found that they didn't have hail cover and they were in Sydney. So it would have actually wiped out their business if that had occurred. And so we got the cover in place for them. We got them to put shade sails up to protect the vehicles that then lowered the premium going forward. So we do a lot of things where we can fix things. Another one was, and we call the case study, Unscramble the Egg, because we had someone that had done their own telecoms review, but what they didn't understand was how the contracts work. And they had locked themselves into a contract that they were actually also trying to get out of at the same time and increase their bill by $200,000 a quarter. And so we managed to use our relationships with the supplier to get them back to what they should have been paying and an exit going forward. 
We do build up quite a lot of rapport with our suppliers and also with our clients, and we can use that to ensure that we're getting better results for business. And in terms of the company itself, are there any key goals or milestones that you're proud of with expense reduction analysts? Yeah, the business has been a very exciting one to work in. And certainly when I started, the income potential was quite good. But over the years, the income potential has become exceptional. And so we have people globally who are earning uh, very high incomes now and doing it in a business that they have the lifestyle that they want, they have the income that they desire, and they're able to really achieve goals that they never had thought were possible. We've also taken people that have just been at a point in their career where they just can't see a way forward, and they've actually reformed what they want to do and been able to achieve so much more in how they can take their career forward and into something where they're getting far more satisfaction. So we have people that join for all sorts of reasons. Some just want to earn a lot of money. Some want a better lifestyle than they have in their corporate life. Some want a mixture of both. And the business is able to actually ensure that they can do that. And what measures do you put in place to ensure each of your franchisees meet their bottom line as business owners? Is there a structure in place that mitigates the risk involved with small business ownership? Yeah, the first 18 months is always going to be the hardest in any franchise to get started. So we have a fairly intense program that we run with new starters where they go through one week of a training where it is just online and they're taking in all the information. Then it's two weeks online classroom training after that. So they have the initial three-week training. Then when they finish that they have a business guide who is attached to them for the first 18 months. And so they have a weekly call with that person for the first six months, then it goes to fortnightly, then to monthly over the 18-month period. But we also set them up with other franchisees. So we will give them a franchisee who can support them in the field. So if they're out trying to get clients, they have someone that will support them in field and then also someone that will help them with their reporting and analytical. So that person will be able to answer any questions that they have. They will read through their reports, make sure they make sense, help them with any wording, really to train them so that they can ensure that when they're getting in front of the client, they're very, very prepared. And we find that that program makes an enormous amount of difference to the success of someone and particularly that early success. So, David, what is the internal culture of the business and what is the main focus and drive you instill in your franchisees? That's a great question because most people looking at a franchise would be expecting that they compete with other franchisees. So if you're buying a McDonald's franchise and McDonald's is going to put another one on the opposite corner, you know you're going to lose part of your market share. We're actually the opposite way around. So all our franchisees actually work together. I gave an example earlier of the university where we have 17 franchisees all working in in one site. And so... What that means is that across the business, there is this constant contact with other franchisees and that it's like a web where someone will have a client and they bring in a number of franchisees to work with them to do the delivery for the client. 
those other franchisees will have their own clients and might bring that person in. And so we have a culture where people are really working closely together all the time. And even though we are now quite a large business globally, we still have very much that family culture. In better times than COVID, we also have global conferences. And so we encourage people to go to conferences in the US, in Europe, in the UK and Australia as our global conferences so that they can share ideas, get to know people. And they've struck up friendships. In fact, one of our franchisees a couple of years ago was going to the European conference because his class from 10 years earlier were all meeting up. They'd stayed in touch for the 10 years. They came from all over the globe and they all wanted to get together for a reunion after 10 years. And I think that that is probably very much how the culture works here. People actually form friendships that become lifelong. Now, you mentioned it earlier, but considering the current climate of the small business sector, how have you adapted to the changing times and the pandemic or not? How are you helping small businesses during this time? Yeah, it's been a bit of a change for our people. We had already moved a lot of our work onto Teams pre-COVID. So we had started doing client presentations where we might have the client manager sitting in the room with the client, but we would bring in the other people doing the delivery work via Teams. So that for us wasn't a major change. I guess the big thing for our clients has been that we are able to provide a constant focus for them where they haven't been able to. The rolling lockdowns and the changes that each business has to go through, very hard to concentrate on something like your office supplies, printing, telecoms or whatever cost when you are daily not knowing what comes next in your business. And so we've provided a lot of focus and helped businesses keep on top of those costs. And we've also been invited back into existing clients to assist with work during this period, even down to things like helping them source things that they haven't been able to get. And they've come back to us and said, can you guys tell us where we can find things? So that's been quite good, I guess. The other thing is that businesses are looking forward and saying, is still going to be very uncertain and the next uncertainty will be what is the cost going to be and we can actually help them fix those costs so that they can make them predictable they can make them controllable going forward and take that side of the uncertainty away that does sound really interesting so what do you love most about your business and what is it about your job that gets you out of bed in the morning that's an easy one. When I joined 20 years ago, I had never stayed for more than five years in one place. After 20 years, it's the relationships that we have with our clients that really has kept it interesting. It is very rare that I'll go out and see a client without getting a site tour because I'm actually interested in their business. And it's that constant learning, the constant changes that we see and knowing other people's businesses that I find incredibly interesting. In my role as the franchisor, I also love helping people. And so I want to see my guys become more and more successful. We've had fantastic growth. In fact, we grew in 2020. We're up again in 21. So we're probably in a fairly unique position as far as business goes, where we are still managing to grow during this period. We know that a lot of consulting businesses aren't. So it's being able to 
ensure that our guys are in a position where they can deliver, where they can keep earning, that really gets me out of bed every day. So who would make for a good franchisee? Is it a particular skill set or a, or a character trait you're looking for? First of all, a lot of people look at it and go, oh, consulting, I don't know whether it's for me. Well, the first thing I'd say is talk to us before you make that decision because you might be surprised. The other thing that we're looking for is people that have the energy and focus to build their own business and have a background where they've probably been in a position where it doesn't matter what their job title says, it means that the buck stops with me. And what we find is that those people are very decisive and they can walk into a boardroom, they might be faced with the CEO, a CFO, head of procurement, a logistics person, for example, and they sit there and they can hold their own in that conversation. And that's probably the biggest strength that we're looking for is people that have the confidence and ability to work with a C-suite. So after that, there's not a lot of restriction that I would put on it. We've had young franchisees, we've had older franchisees. It doesn't really matter because they all have something to contribute. All right. Now, the type of people that listen to the Eden Exchange podcast, they tend to be business owners looking at a business that may have run a business before or even getting into one for the first time, especially a franchise style. Look, do you have anything you'd want to say to them or any advice for them? The big thing with our business is that you can make it what you want. Now, we don't mind people's backgrounds. We know that if they've got a strong sales background, management background, etc., they're going to do quite well. We know that we can help them get to what their goals are. The thing with our business is that it gives you the flexibility to do what you want to do. So, in fact, one of our franchisees in Germany has 17 staff and has built himself quite a large practice. And he has very high turnover, very profitable business. On the other end of the scale, we have um, people that will say to themselves, no, I'm going to be at the school assembly or sports day if I need to be. I want to be able to be a parent. I don't want to work long hours. I want to ensure that I have the lifestyle that I need. And so we have the flexibility that allows people to achieve whatever goal it is they want, whether it is a lifestyle goal or a business goal. And we have a structure that will allow them to be a one-man operator or they can gear up right up to however many staff they want to have and that all comes off the one franchise. Now, do you have any goals for the franchise? Where you're looking to expand now or any key targets you're trying to hit? Yeah, so my territory actually is from Pakistan and to the right, so it's a fairly large territory. Yeah, fairly large there, David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a third of the world and two-thirds of the population, I think. So it is a large territory, but Certainly the Aussie market is one that we have a lot of potential still in. And so for me, I want to see us continue to grow so that we become really strong in this market. We're sitting at about 30 franchisees now, and I would like to see that go to 50 in the next two years and then continue to grow from there. In 2019, we had 60% revenue growth. We had 8% last year, and we're over 20% again this year. So this market, we really do want to grow. The other advantage is it doesn't matter where you are. So we've got people in Brisbane, for example, who are delivering to clients in Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide and 
Perth. So you can work anywhere in the country and still manage. We actually used to fly all over the place all the time and, you know, Qantas was probably our taxi service. Now, I don't see us ever going back to that again. That's That's been a positive change. But yeah, the business in Australia certainly has a lot of potential for growth. Now, we encourage anyone interested to, and we will put some options near the podcast to pop your name down and one of the team will be in touch with the ASAP to get the ball rolling with the company. We also encourage you to check out some material about expense production analysts online to get a bit more research done about the organization. Apart from that, David, it's been fantastic having you on today and we'd love to have you on again soon for an update. So thanks again for your time, David. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Eden Exchanges was brought to you by the team at Eden Exchange. In this episode, we spoke to David Rounceville, Director of the Expense Reductions Analyst Franchise, a business consulting franchise. To find out more about David and the Expense Reductions Analyst Franchise, or to discover other episodes by Eden Exchanges, head to our networking website, businessbyinvest.com. You can also subscribe to the series on iTunes or Stitches if you're using Android. Find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram for recent info on the buying, selling, and investing world. Thanks for listening.